0: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Friday to you. Uh, For those of you that are live streaming with us, it's good to have you here, and I hope you've had an absolutely wonderful week. Uh, We're going to actually get into a really interesting conversation today on the podcast that honestly, in almost 600 episodes, I don't know that we've really tackled this subject with any depth. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to introduce our brand new guest here in just one second, before i do that just a reminder for anybody who is listening to the audio version of this after the fact make sure to follow us on instagram at Boca podcast b-o-k-e-h podcast and uh, keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule we usually do one to two episodes a week and you can come be part of the conversation you can ask questions you can comment and ultimately join the conversation that's one of the major benefits of these live streams so please don't be shy and for those of you that are already live streaming same thing goes please don't be shy, ask questions, comment, get involved in the conversation today. Cause this is one that I think is kind of under discussed in the industry. And, um, it is truly a privilege, uh, to have Taylor Brumfield on the show with me to talk about licensing and asset management. Thank you, Taylor, for doing this with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Nathan I'm super excited to talk on this particular topic.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I'm curious, so I, I speak a lot Taylor about workflow. And I realize that to the average photographer, like that topic's not a sexy topic, right? Um, When somebody says licensing and asset management, do you see photographers' eyes kind of glaze over a little bit? Or what's the typical response?
2: So
1: the typical response is not necessarily disinterest or, you know, even glazing over. I find the typical response is intrigue because a lot of people Hmm. actually don't know that it exists um a a lot of people that i've met especially while I'm, i'm out educating in different spaces don't they don't know that licensing is a thing that they can even do um they don't know how to approach it 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 tends to be um kind of a mystery to a lot of people who do know that it exists um and so i like to uh help kind of bring down the veil about how to structure licensing as well as you know how to how to market yourself as a photographer who is somebody who does licensing. Um, But yeah, generally, a lot of people just don't know that it exists, especially the newer photographers getting into um, photography now because of the the digital renaissance that we've had over Mm. the past five to seven years. A lot of people didn't start out licensing and still don't to this day. So a lot of people just really don't exist at all.
0: Well, and I mean, I'm guilty of the same. I, I know so little about it. And by the way, my question wasn't because I think it's a boring topic. I just wondering if mm-hmm. like when I said those words out loud, li- out loud licensing and asset management, it sounds very formal and technical. And right. I know a lot of photographers are like, how do I make six figures this year? Like that's the kind of stuff that they're maybe naturally drawn to or the, whatever the latest mm-hmm. gear is. They want to have conversations about that. But this mm-hmm. isn't a natural conversation necessarily. And like you said, it looks like there's, it's, it's kind of under discussed in the industry. There's a lack of education around it. Um, and I certainly fall in that camp. So I'm genuinely interested to learn today on this. But before we get to the topic, will you just briefly introduce yourself and your your photographic brand as well?
1: Sure. So again, my name is Taylor Brumfield. I am a commercial product and beauty photographer based out of Woodbridge, so northern Virginia, right south of D.C., um, I am also a Tamron ambassador and a Westcott top pro, and I like to also think of myself as an educator, um, mm. going around teaching about the the different things that as a commercial photographer I get into and how I structure my business, um, and and work as a commercial photographer in this industry.
0: It's well, and and I have to. So first of all, I, as an educator, you, you I don't know. There's there's something about that's so difficult in the industry that I've seen over the last twenty years, Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. to find, which is not just a talented photographer because we, we see beautiful photography, talented photographer, or photography mm-hmm. work, photographic work, and there are also strong business owners, photography business owners that can speak on business. But mm-hmm. somebody then that can take that skill set and teach effectively, that's a whole different skill set, right? It Um, is. And a lot of that has to do with the ability just to be able to communicate really, really well in a way that's relatable to the end listener, in a way that's easy to follow and understand, easy to apply Mm -hmm. the principles and the concepts. And- we haven't known each other real long. Um, but I've, that my experience in conversation with you is such that like, I, it's just very easy to have conversation with you. Number one, oh, you. but to the way that, that, that you communicate is so easy to understand as well. And I think that there's just such a need for that in the photography industry that we not just have, that we don't just have talented photographers, which you are, and we're going to, I'm going to show your website here in just a second, thank but, <laughs> but then somebody that, that can effectively teach the principles behind what has enabled them to build the business that they have and so i have mm-hmm. to give you major props for that as well
1: i appreciate it thank you, thank
0: you. oh 100 and and sue is saying hello from sun valley idaho Sue's listening on, Hi. on youtube thanks sue for chiming in and if the rest of you that may be live streaming today please don't be shy um join in the conversation say hello and i'm going to actually yes. pull up taylor's website here just really quickly before we get into the topic at hand if you all haven't followed Taylor or seen her work on her website, please go to Taylor B, as in uh, the letter B, photography spelled I-E, taylorbphotography.com, and check out Taylor's work. Just absolutely stunning work, Taylor, truly. And, and, and I've been in the industry for 20 years now. I see a lot of photography, but just really lovely, lovely work, and, and i got to give you props again for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Oh, 100%. And, and while I've got your uh, website pulled up, I'm also going to just quickly pull up Instagram here. And for those of you that are not following Taylor, make sure to follow her, T-A-Y-L-O-R-B-E-E, Taylor B. And of course, we'll link to both of these in the show notes at uh, bocapodcast.com. Taylor, let's just jump right into the topic, though, because it's, it's yes. a loaded one, I know, and you've got a lot to talk it's about here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I guess for just a bit of context, because I, I love to... Um, give photographers reason to listen to the photographer, right. you know, because it, it's easy these days, especially with a lot of online courses and education out there, kind of any and everybody is a so-called educator. And sometimes we find those who maybe don't necessarily have the experience to back up what it is they're teaching. So I'd love for you just to kind of give a little bit of context to this conversation around licensing, licensing and asset management. What is your experience and background with that?
1: So my background in asset management for my own imagery, um, I am a huge advocate of making sure that my imagery is not only protected. So I retain my copyright, um, but I also license out my imagery um, while maintaining my copyright. And anybody who doesn't understand what licensing is, it's super simple. Essentially as a, an artist, you immediately or automatically have the copyright to your imagery and then your client can essentially rent the usage for that imagery and that, that renting for the usage is what's called licensing. Um, okay. and that's literally just, that's all that it is. Um, and over the past five years as a commercial photographer. I've been licensing my imagery out. I use a program called um, Photo Biz and Photo Quote, okay. um, but photo is spelled with an F, so F-O-T-O, biz and quote. Um, and that's how I maintain my my licensing. I also send out and uh, control Uh, and customize my coding through that programming. Um, And I keep track of all of my licensing through those programs. Um, And that's the way that I maintain my space as a, uh, as a licensed photographer or somebody who does licensing uh, with my work. I hope it answers your question.
2: That's that's the way that
1: I structure my business. Um, That's the way that I do things. Um, I know a lot of people are trying to get into it. So Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm focusing on like my structural aspects and, you know, not just like my personal things, but how I actually structure, um, my, my workflows and my systems for my clients.
0: Well, that's particularly important. I think for a lot of photographers, the idea of adding an additional, additional layer of say complication, right? Moving parts in their business, they're already focusing on this particular genre or that particular genre, the idea of licensing with the opportunity to potentially make a bit of cash, extra cash is appealing, but the idea of adding an additional workflow might be a little bit overwhelming. So I think you're absolutely right that structure is really important to understand the workflow and kind of the processes behind that is also really important. You mentioned photo mm-hmm. biz. Do you offhand happen to know the website associated with that brand? So I Googled it um,
1: because okay. it's, it's an actual software that you, okay. you download um, and it's it's really for relatively inexpensive i think it you can do a bundle of photo biz and photo quote okay. uh, for like 300 bucks um cool. so it is an actual software it's not a subscription um and it's f-o-t-o-b-i-z and then you can just google it i want to say it takes you to that overarching um, umbrella company mm. and uh, you can they have several different kinds of software um but the one that i have are photo, biz and photo quote.
0: Okay, cool. And I'm gonna actually pull this up here, and maybe we will just uh, explore it together. It looks like is it it's I don't know if you can see my screen, but is is this the software here?
1: Yep, yep. So and then photo quote I want to say is green, okay, um, green or yellow.
0: Yeah, and, uh, right there. Yep.
1: And you can get them as bundles. They have like three or four different softwares that you can you can get. Um, but the only ones that I really utilize are PhotoBiz and PhotoQuote. Quote, um, and then again, you can just get them as bundles. And they're great, they're intuitive. All you have to do is go in and plug in all of your metrics and PhotoQuote will spit out an estimate um, based on the type of asset and the usage for that asset. Um, so it's just, it's really, really easy. It's easy to integrate. They're relatively affordable, um, which I think is also uh, a huge barrier for a lot of people, is affordability into some of these different structures. Um, You know, it can be quite expensive for somebody who just doesn't have the margins. Mm. Um, But I feel like those those programs are relatively affordable. And so those are the ones that I, I like to use. And those are the ones that I like to talk about.
0: Uh, that's wonderful and, and i pulled it up while you were talking there for anybody who's not live streaming with us but i'll do that real quick one more time and mm-hmm. for anybody listening in you can go to to craddock if i'm spelling or pronouncing it correctly c-r-a-d-o-c and then photo as as uh, taylor mentioned with an f f-o-t-o software.com so com. we'll link to it in the show notes of course uh, at com for anybody who's listening in make sure that we send you to the right place i appreciate you sharing that one more question before I kind of get to our next major talking point, though, here, Taylor. Sure. And I think it's kind of a natural question for anybody listening in who's not a commercial photographer, because, of course, you led with the fact that you were doing this commercial work, and it's stunning, truly. Uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious, is this a relevant conversation for those who are not doing commercial work, wedding photographers, portrait photographers? Is this something they should be considering?
1: I think so. I think so, honestly. Um, I don't see why there wouldn't be overlap. Um, I've seen a lot of or consumer grade photographers and commercials. So there's consumer grade photographers. I've seen a lot of them sending their imagery out for publication. Yeah, that should be licensed. Okay. I've seen a lot of them sending their work out um, to vendors who may be selling gowns. Mm. And then those vendors are then using the imagery to advertise their gowns. You know, there might be like some random overlap. Um, I've seen people who have done imagery for like a friend And then their friend also owns a business and then the next thing they know they're doing branding imagery for their friend and their friend is now using that branding imagery to promote their business that is now a commercial engagement. Mm. Um, So I think that anybody who is a photographer in general. Might find themselves randomly needing to license their imagery. Um, Me, when it comes to information, I'm a better to have and not need type person,
2: Um,
1: you know, than need and not have it. So I think that if you have that in your arsenal, you're ready to go. Uh, It makes it that much easier for you to explain it to your clients, um, you know, which can only positively impact your your client interaction and make it that much more intuitive for your client as well. So it makes you just a better business owner in general to have that information sitting there.
0: That makes sense, yeah. And I guess, especially for wedding photographers, if I think, and I, I shot weddings for about 10 years, but if I think about all the detail in images or images of the locations, images of the bouquets for these various mm-hmm. um, florists locally, there there are actually a lot of opportunities when you start to think about it to license out some of this work on a commercial level so that's that's particularly compelling to consider and and really great i think context for those listening in especially those that are not just commercial photographers i guess on that note let me just jump to my next question though and and with your experience both in commercial work and then ultimately in this asset management what would you say are kind of the biggest mistakes that you see photographers making either in the thought processes or approach to this this asset management process uh, that you've noticed in the industry so far?
1: So the first thing that I've seen is when I explain what licensing is, I think that a lot of people want to level up their business and go to the next level um, in terms of charging or upping their pricing or something to do licensing. And they don't structure it in a way that's intuitive for their clients. Mm. And so a lot of the clients just think that you're just like grabbing at their money and, and just trying to take as much money from them as they possibly, as you possibly can. That doesn't really set a good rapport, um, with your client, your client is less likely to come back to you if they feel like you're just, you know, skimming them for money. Um, so the, the most important thing that if you're going to be leveling up in any way, not just for licensing, but in any way is to make sure that once it gets to the client aspect, so that Mm -hmm. that client exchange, make it as intuitive and easy to understand as absolutely possible. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be any questions on the back end. Mm. You should sit your client down and explain all of this to them, especially if they're not used to working with a photographer who does licensing. Mm. Um, cause a lot of these clients aren't, especially again, in this new digital age, a lot of these clients are not used to it. Um, it used to be a standard, it's it's a little more wishy washy now. A lot of people aren't used to it. So mm-hmm. if you're going to be doing it, make sure your clients understand what you're talking about. And that way in a year when you need to relicense your imagery, you're not taking the client by surprise, and you're not going to get pushback. Um, so that's the first thing.
0: And if I can, if you don't mind, if I jump in for just a second. So first of all, I'm a huge fan of simplicity when it comes to minimizing barrier to entry with a business. And I mean, I think about this with my editing company. We're getting ready to launch another brand uh, that is kind of consumer market facing this coming year, Mm -hmm. even more so because we're dealing with a much broader audience thinking about simplicity of user experience to, for multiple reasons, including minimizing that barrier to entry, if they're confused to begin Mm -hmm. with, then they're very quickly going to go away. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. So we've got to make it as easy as possible for them to do business with us. And I'm so glad that you highlight that. Can you give me like a, a really tangible example of what confusing pricing versus simple pricing would look like in this case?
1: Sure. So if you are doing your licensing, um, line itemize it in the invoice it's just it's yep. there <laughs> it's just there It's just okay licensing one year and then in the in the notes for that item list their usage and what they're allowed to use it and just, it's just there and then you mm-hmm. have the amount of assets that's included in that particular type of license
2: mm-hmm.
1: times whatever dollar amount and then it spits out the total and simple it's just it's it's simple it's so easy love it you know a, a lot of people might bundle it into the final total and then a client, you know, they're busy, they're doing their own thing. A lot of these people are running full-blown businesses out of their living rooms. They're, they're really busy. They have a lot of thoughts going on. So if you have bundled your, your licensing into the project total and then, you know, down the line in a year or two, when you're asking them to relicense that and they go back and look at the screenshot of the invoice that you sent them, Where's the line item for the, the license? It's yeah. confusing.
2: Yeah. And
1: then they and then two you know, two years or a year down the line when they've completely they they they've been doing other stuff. So they're they're confused. Um so a year down the line when you eventually are like, oh hey, you know, by the way, it's time for you to relicense that imagery,
2: mm.
1: um, they're like, Well, what are you talking about? Right. You know, they don't they don't know what you're talking about and right. it's confusing to them. They feel like you're grifting.
2: OK. Right? OK.
1: You know, it's not a good client interaction at that point. You're you're messing up your rapport. Um, whereas if you had just set that expectation to begin mm. with. And it's its own line, you know, its own line item. Hmm. Um, you know, the, it doesn't leave us much room for confusion. And you've set the expectation. You've said I that love before. It. And the client isn't, it's confused on the line.
0: Totally makes sense. Okay, so I'm, and I'm taking mm-hmm. notes. I told you I would beforehand, but I'm taking notes here, old school in my notebook. So the, the first kind of mistake that you see photographers making in this regard then is confusing pricing. And not only is it a barrier to entry as far as doing business, but then, like you said, we're, you're not, as a photographer, actively managing expectations effectively. And that can be super inhibiting to creating a really great client experience. So uh, this is really great. Okay, take me to number two, if you will.
1: So number two is just going to be managing those licenses. Um, if you're like me and you're, you're shuffling around multiple clients in a month, some of these clients are repeat clients. There's different kinds of like client structures. So some of these might be retainers. Some of these might be long-term. Some of these might be referral. Whatever the case may be, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with at any, any time, um, you know, five to seven clients at a time. Um, and then some of them may be products, some of them may be beauty. It might be a blend of both. So I have several different kinds of license and usage that I might be shuffling through as well. Um, and if you, if you're like me or your, your business is larger than mine or even smaller than mine, you need to create a, a system for maintaining those licenses and keeping track of them um because mm. everybody's license doesn't it doesn't renew on the same day every single year you know and some people have longer and some people have shorter licenses so that's again why i like to have like nice software um to keep track of these licenses when i was a little baby photographer and i just didn't know any better <laughs> because i was learning as i was going i was actually keeping track of a lot of this stuff in just an excel worksheet um and that was cute for a while because I didn't have the client <laughs> volume, Yeah. right? I didn't have yeah. the client volume, so like that was it, was fine and I, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. But, uh, you know, as I expanded my business and, and things just started getting bigger, you know, I started working with teams. I started, you know, expanding internationally. Uh, I needed a more comprehensive way to keep track of everything. And so that's why I started investing in my subscription, started investing mm. in my software to keep track of that. I know it can seem expensive, but mm. honestly, the time that you're no longer using keeping track of all of this and, and doing all of this back end work to keep track of things and you're automating it, that automation saves you time and so it saves you money. And you'll actually start to be able to afford some of this stuff. It can definitely seem expensive on the front end as you're starting to scale. Mm. Um, but it, it starts to save you time and it, oh, it yeah. makes more sense as you as you go along. So yeah. invest in good software um, to begin with. Don't don't suffer with the Excel spreadsheets like
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Jill, who produces our show, I give her a hard time because she loves spreadsheets. And I, I mean, I, I realize or have learned to realize the power of spreadsheets. There's a lot that you can mm-hmm. do with them. But, but you have to learn how to do those things in order to, use, to actually leverage the power versus having mm-hmm. software that's designed specifically for a particular purpose right. that is so much right. more user friendly and enables you to get the job, job done very quickly. So, yeah, I, I absolutely hear you on that. Do me a favor, Taylor. Scoot to your right just a little bit. We were losing you off screen. Yeah, come back in. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> we got you. No, no, no worries. I just want to keep you on screen. Okay, so, so first, first mistake that you've seen photographers make is, is to run with confusing pricing. Um, Maybe the second mistake we could categorize just simply is not effectively managing their license in an organized way. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I I can imagine, like, do you know offhand how many different types of licenses you're working with? There's probably a lot to keep up with.
1: It's like infinite, honestly. Like every single day I'm getting some new permutation of usage because okay. there's so many different ways that assets can be used now and i offer several different kinds of assets okay. you know so it's it's literally like a permutation of like oh, okay so you get a stop motion but your stop motion is beauty but then we're also doing some product stop motions. this stop motion might be 10 frames so it's a little longer license is going to be a little bit more expensive right mm. this stop motion might only be four or five frames so it's much shorter wow. you know like there's there's infinite possibilities at this point. And as the algorithms for these different um, social media spaces are changing, mm. the client needs are also changing. So, for example, Instagram is now real focused. Right. Uh, so clients are demanding short video, which mm. means that like their usages are going to change, um, you know, and then they want to also take these reels over into TikTok. So now I have to do these, the you know, add TikTok usage. Um, but then they still want stills for like their emails and their their website. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's this constant like organic movement and fluctuation of usage, um, which is another you know another reason why you should have like a comprehensive software to keep track of this. And that way you're yeah. not having to to pencil it all down and figure it out yourself. There's 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 stuff there's there's software that does this for you. No yeah. need to suffer.
0: You well, and, and it really, so I guess to your point, it's really as infinite as the number of clients that you have, because each job is going to be very specific, very particular needs for each of those clients. And you're meeting each of those so you're writing a license or, or implementing a license that is specific to that particular job. Um, that's, that's interesting. Okay. So uh, using then software and I'm, and I'm going get, I'm actively taking notes here. So using or not using a system software to, to track all of the licenses is another mistake and by the way for everybody listening and or watching we're gonna we're gonna get to kind of the proactive steps that um taylor is going to encourage you to take to develop a better process here i guess some of this some of that's innate to this conversation already but what is a third mistake that you've seen photographers make when it comes to asset management
1: not sticking to it honestly hmm.
0: like
1: not not sticking to it a lot of i've i've seen a lot of photographers get uh wet feet when it comes time to renew they don't want to upset their client and I, I get it I get it you know it, it hurts when a client might feel like they need to go somewhere else because clients might not like objectively they just might not be able to afford it you know and you want to retain your clients you want to keep those clients so I totally understand the emotional driver Mm. behind, you know, not wanting to stick to licensing because it does feel sometimes as if it's like a frivolous add on and a client might might honestly feel that, Um, but the the objective should be to create that uh, loyalty in your Mm. brand. Um, with these clients such that they understand that the licensing is their continued investment into your brand because your content is going to perform for them. Um, and I think that that should be the framework that it's, that you present is, hey, you know what, this is just a continued investment into mm-hmm. allowing me to, uh, in the future and down the line, continue allowing you to use this, this, these assets because they're going to continue um, performing for you. Look at the metrics that they've already provided. Look at their analytics. They do well on your, in your spaces. If you want continued access to those assets so that you continue to reap the benefits from those assets, this is what it's going to cost.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and if you set that expectation up front, again, um, to establish that rapport that this is what it takes to work with me or you, know, you as, a, a, as a photographer, then the client won't be uh, as confused down the line. You won't feel the need to take that relicensing of your imagery or your assets off the table. So I think that that's the, the third biggest mistake is that a lot of people feel like they just can't leverage
2: yeah.
1: um, having to relicense or allowing, or not allowing, that's, the, that's not the right word, but having their clients relicense that imagery. But at the same time, honestly, I would rather just have some passive relicensing hit my bank account, and then utilize that time working with another client. Mm. Um, so at the end of the day, it makes it easier for the client. They don't have to go through a whole nother production. They can just use imagery that's already performing well. And then it makes sense for you because you're not having to do another production when you already have images that are performing well so really it works it works great for everybody um you just have to stick to your guns and do it uh and then it it expose that information and prime your prime your prime your clients in a Mm -hmm. way such that they understand why this is happening um and what the value is in in licensing that imagery
0: well, and I think there's probably this innate, like you've probably seen this Taylor endlessly as a photographer and speaking, educating in the industry, the photographers that are afraid of being a salesperson or even just having to talk about money. Um, there's probably some of that that's built in. I'm still, I mean, being in in the industry now for 20 years, I'm still not the greatest salesperson. I, t- I tend to kind of shy away from talking too much about my companies because I don't want to, I, I don't know. I don't want to force anything. There's all these excuses that I, that I make up in my head, but at the end of the day, licensure enables us to make, and in some cases, especially in commercial photography, that is at, really at the root of your income, right? You Taking the photographs is one thing. How you make your money then, you might have a session fee, but then from that point on, that's where you have an opportunity to be able to, con- to make not only money up front, but mm-hmm. continued income from that licensing. It's super important. I think, especially speaking to wedding photographers, again, there's an opportunity, especially with all the detail work, location work. The, um, the detail work certainly associated with, with uh, bouquets and um, some of the other details for the wedding day. There's a lot of opportunity there to be able to make some income from that work. But we have to be okay with having the conversation around money and associating that, that, the value with that imagery and, like you said, what that brand can do with that imagery for the sake of growing their business. Um, sure. We got to be willing to to have that conversation. That's a good reminder. So we've been kind of approaching this conversation from the standpoint of what not to do. You've given us three things that we shouldn't be doing. Let's kind of flip the script a little bit, go the other direction. Maybe three specific recommendations, kind of proactive recommendations as to what photographers should be doing. If they want to, there's, if a photographer says, okay, look, Taylor, I get the points that you're making. It makes sense. I want to leverage my work more effectively through licensing. What are three big recommendations that you would make to those photographers in order to start that process and and to implement it more effectively in their business?
1: Sure, so my biggest point of kind of like just, it's the way that I frame my conversations with my client um, in terms of just verbiage Mm. and to touch specifically on like people being kind of tentative about talking about money i can totally see that when it comes to working with consumer clients so like maybe a couple or a new mom who's having their newborn shot or you know whatever the case may be i can totally see that when it comes to consumers um but here in the commercial world it's my business working with your business and so when i'm talking to a client that's the that's the verbiage that i'm using i'm not saying photos i'm using the word assets because they're going Mm. to leverage my assets that I'm creating for them. They're going to leverage that to make more money. Um, And so when I'm talking about my assets, the content, the assets that I'm creating, I'm using very like diligent and precise and specific verbiage to create Mm. that priming for a client such that they understand that my business is creating this business interaction, this professional interaction with your business, not you personally. And it might not even be me personally. I may be outsourcing some of my labor off onto of other people. But Taylor B photography under Taylor B agency is creating certain assets and specific assets for your company, whatever your company name is. And that kind of it doesn't make it impersonal, but it creates that rapport of hmm. we're doing this as a as a financial exchange, you okay. know? Yep. And that takes all the 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 awkwardness of talking about money off of the table because Mm. that awkwardness is no longer relevant to the conversation we've made it purely a business transaction um so i think that if you're going to be getting into elevating your business or taking the business out of that consumer space Mm -hmm. um, really honing in on and focusing on using very specific verbiage i would also make sure that you're learning the verbiage for your industry Uh. so if i'm talking right if i'm talking to a product client if i'm talking to my beauty clients i'm using strategic verbiage that i know that they're using amongst themselves i'm talking to some of these clients a lot of these people have gone to school to work in some of these companies um and they learned the verbiage in school um so i'm using mood board i'm using directive i'm using like these are strategic words that i know that they're using amongst themselves and again that just creates that priming that we're creating this business interaction in order to achieve a certain goal um and again it takes that that tentativeness to talk about money off the table um so that's the first thing that i would i would do um in leveling up a business in any case like not just Mm. licensing but in in raising your pricing Mm. expanding your market um, is learning the verbiage for that commercial space and implementing it in a very you know strategic way and, and leveraging that verbiage um, to your benefit
0: to kind of it's almost like furthering the I guess sense of professionalism is is that kind of sure. the right thought process? okay
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: do you where do you think the balance is because I know that, that I mean and I've been in the industry long enough now I started shooting in 2001 um, back when the idea of a professional photographer was much more formality, I would say in the last 10 years or so, things have really relaxed and, you know, not just in the way that, that photographers might interact with their clients, what photographers are wearing to photograph. And I mean, everything is just kind Mm -hmm. of chilled out, which in some ways is nice, but where do you think that balance is between creating that sense of professionalism, um, for the sake of the interaction, like you're describing and, I guess maintaining some level of personal connection to a client. Do you do you what does that line look like for you?
1: Sure. So, you know, I've been a professional for 10 years and over that time I have I learned how to read people. Hmm. You know, and I I do have a, a space mentally where I can meet somebody where they're at. Hmm. So if they if they are going through it, you know, if, if somebody is sick, if somebody's passed away. I work with a lot of mothers, you know. I work with a lot of parents in general. They have kids. I have a kid. I get it, you know. So like, I I understand, okay. And I can make that rational decision to exercise empathy or sympathy. I okay. get that. However, that's not going to stand in the way of both of us making money because again, mm. we're a business to business interaction here. Um. So I'm always going to position myself to be able to make a call. If I need to, I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to be boxed or mopped into corners.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to make sure that my client understands that, you know, I'm very friendly. I'm generally very likable. Um, but
2: this is <laughs> generally, huh? this
1: is generally very likable, okay. right? But this again is a, a business interaction. Hmm. So keep that open communication with me. Okay. Um, but this you know we can't cross any unprofessional boundaries we can still be very cordial
2: yeah
1: um and if something is happening communicate that with me so that i can go and make what's a decision that's best for my business and best uh, best decision for this project okay um but you know i i think that at some point you just you learn how to read people yeah um and you you learn how to you can treat people with kindness kindness and still be a great business owner okay Um, that's how i feel i i I try my best to to treat people with kindness and treat people well um i'm a do unto others as Mm. you would have you know done unto you type person um and i think that you can still be a great business owner and and still you know treat people well
0: but i think you highlight an interesting point which is just to kind of read learn to read the situation and respond as necessary versus Mm -hmm. just kind of coming up with a blanket way to approach it every single time robotically you know that that's that's kind of a turnoff in and of itself. So, okay. So we're starting first with learning to use specific verbiage relevant to the particular client that we're working with to maintain a sense of professionalism, um, Mm -hmm. and, and ultimately kind of raise the standard of of business that we're doing with them. Take us to the next step, if you will.
1: Sure. So it's also to, it's also important to understand the market that you have access to. Um, I've seen a lot of people suggest to others oh just raise your pricing it'll just be this kind of like dogmatic oh yeah no add like a thousand dollars to your pricing you'll be good to go Mm -hmm. but if you live in the middle of nowhere or there, you know the the ses in that area is low or you don't know anybody you have no network what is you raise like what is that supposed to do you know so the It's nice to be objective, Mm. but also there needs to be some sort of bridge strategy Mm -hmm. to get you from A to B. You can't just make a leap; you have to build a bridge between A and B. So, if you're going to be upping the um, the scale or increasing the 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 elevating your business, right? If you're going to be elevating your business in any way, if you're going to be Taking up the amount of clients, increasing the amount of clients, increase, increasing your price point, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, just make sure you have a very strategic method for increasing your market as mm-hmm. well to make sure that your, your market can pay for yes. um, what you're doing. You know, you may have all this skill, mm-hmm. but if you don't have anybody to pay for it, what was the point? So you need to make sure that you have you have your market there waiting for you yes. um and how this refers back to licensing i, I feel like i might be getting off course a little bit but how this refers back to licensing is when i first started licensing because i didn't always i didn't i did not always know about licensing like mm. we didn't we didn't have youtube we didn't have podcasts like we didn't have <laughs> right. we didn't have instagram like i didn't i didn't go to school for photography so like, i didn't i didn't know about a lot of this um, And when i first came across the information i was immediately intrigued i love a good passive income um, and so i was like okay well how am i going to do this how am i going to implement this and I introduced the idea, I kind of did some beta testing with some of my clients to just kind of introduce the idea. And there was immediate pushback. And then I realized yeah. it's because the the type of price point I was sitting back or sitting at at that time, those weren't the clients that had the margins to pay additional, to pay additional licensing. They just mm. didn't have it. Mm. They just didn't have it objectively. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, your clients will pay for what you, some of these people don't have the money and that's okay. That's okay. You it have to okay. find the yeah. people. <laughs> you yeah. have to find the people who do have the money. Yeah. Um. So there just needs to be and tap into that market. So there just needs to be a very strategic method um, into once you're elevating your brand, make sure you're elevating your network and your market. You know, at the same time. So that once you you know do elevate your brand, the people can afford you,
2: where you're
0: at. I'm you know I'm so glad that we're getting into this conversation about licensing today because it, it is one that is certainly under discussed on our podcast and I think in the industry in general, but Honestly, Taylor, if if we only took the last five minutes of what you were saying from this podcast, we clipped it, and that was our podcast episode today, <laughs> it would be absolutely invaluable to all photographers, new photographers, established photographers, because you highlight something that is yet another issue in our industry as it relates to the amount of awareness around the topic, and that mm-hmm. is this topic of market awareness, um, utilizing market data as much as we can potentially glean from our local marketplace or region or whatever it is that we're working in, understanding the data that drives that market is so important because, you know, mm-hmm. you in fact, I can tell a personal story, which is that when I got married to, to my previous partner back in 2000, my parents paid $600 for the wedding photographer. And that was a lot mm-hmm. of money for them. We, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. So the idea of 600 bucks for professional photography was, that was a lot. And the reality is, despite the fact that there are so many of us photographers, myself included, by the way, who end up charging thousands of dollars for these services, and we'd like to talk about high-end photography, the reality is that that might only be about 20% of the market that can afford to pay those prices. There is a massive, massive segment of the marketplace that can't realistically do that. And and it has really? nothing to do with the importance of photography or the, the investment, all these things that photographers say, it's just their bank account. It's what they right. make they and it's what they can it. afford. Exactly. <laughs> but, but the reason this is so important, and I'm so, again, I'm so glad that you highlight this is because we do have to take into consideration that reality, like set our egos aside as photographers and talking about Mm -hmm. all the things that we normally talk about and realize there is an opportunity to serve another, another segment or segments of the marketplace that are not just about paying $3,000 or $5,000 or whatever the premium is that we're going to charge. We Mm -hmm. need to look for opportunities to, to serve other segments of the marketplace as well. And we can't do that if we're not aware, if we're just blindly talking about high end photography, and that's where we stop. We're missing out on in incredible opportunities over here. And so I'm I'm so right. glad that you bring this up.
1: Yeah, I, I, I that's that's super important to me. Is not just saying, oh, you can do all these great things. Like you can be a shining star. Like you absolutely can if you have the skill and the the intellect to leverage that skill. You can go and be great. Sure. But in the meantime, you know, while you're learning, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? You know, and I I see. In different social spaces, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you're charging too low, but they, that might be what their market can afford. And in the meantime, they have to feed a family, you know, while they're accumulating more skill and they're accumulating a new market, they, they have children to feed. So there's, there has to be some bridges in order for people like it can't just go from a to B. We have to create like a comprehensive method for people to start going up the stairs you can't just jump you know from the bottom to the top there has to be like a, a step-by-step way mm-hmm. for people to start leveraging their skill set mm-hmm. um because you know the reality out here is that a lot of people are struggling right now yeah folks got families um yeah. so it's it's very important that when we're talking about these these topics that there's just kind of a comprehensive method uh to get for me to be
0: Yes. Well, and, and I would mm-hmm. even, I would, I would push even further into that and say that, yeah, while the idea of let's say photographing portrait sessions or weddings for a lower price point, it's normally used as a stepping stone for photographers mm-hmm. as they build up. Certainly what I've been suggesting for some time is that photographers realize the opportunity, some photographers who have the uh, the discipline and um, understand the importance of systems that they mm-hmm. might be able to build businesses that can photograph lower end weddings. And I hate to even use that phrase, just weddings at a lower price point that at scale, right? Because the reality is if a, if a photographer is going to shoot, let's say $800 or $1,000 or $1,500 weddings to make a living, they're going to have to do that, you know, 80, hundred times a year that's mm-hmm. tough for one person to do. So now we have to start thinking about systems that, that make the workflow more efficient. You have to think about hiring second photographers or third photographers to help manage that workflow. It's a lot to consider. So I realized, and I understand why most photographers don't go there because it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of discipline. But there is just incredible opportunity. The data that I've seen, Taylor, I don't know if you've seen this, but um, and this is, again, wedding photography specific, but about 20% mm-hmm. of, oh, excuse me, yeah, actually, about twenty between twenty and thirty percent of the weddings photographed in the U.S. are photographed for two thousand dollars and above. That means mm-hmm. roughly sixty to seventy percent, just to be kind of conservative about it, sure. of of weddings photographed in the U.S. are photographed underneath that two thousand dollar mark. And everybody's talking about four, five, six, ten thousand dollar wedding photography, and that's great. Uh, don't get me wrong, but there's just this huge segment of the market that that's available for business, and sure. they can't afford. Like how do you afford-
1: leverage that? What do you do with that?
0: Yeah, exactly. But, but mm-hmm. we, without that awareness to begin with, just to go back to your point, without that awareness, we can't go anywhere with it, right? So developing right. awareness about how our market is functioning and looking for the opportunities in that, I, I, that was a very long way to say that looking for the opportunities with awareness, that it's so important mm-hmm. to develop awareness about the data, not just with your business, your finances, but also the marketplace you're working in to to be an intelligent right. business disown, uh, business owner. Um, I, am just so glad that you highlight that it was a very long and winded response on my part, but I, this is, I'm so passionate about this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad you highlight it. Okay. So number one, we, we talk about learning to use specific verbiage, uh, in the context of doing business. Um, and Mm -hmm. of course relevant to that particular client. Number two is it's important to understand, uh, the market in general, develop a certain level of market awareness for the sake of making intelligent decisions regarding the brand and pricing associated with that brand. And then what would be number three?
1: One more time. <laughs> what was the original question? I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no. I, was
0: I'm just like, yeah, just maybe just one more suggestion or recommendation to photographers as they're considering developing a licensing process for their imagery. Um, and, you know, most photographers just don't really even know where to start. So you've already made a, a great number of suggestions. You have one more just to kind of throw into the mix.
1: Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, okay. So the first thing I would think about when or. First thing i did think about when i was first licensing um was first of all just, just how to get prime my clients to accept it right like how how can i get them to understand that this is something i'm doing now um and the first thing i did was i just i just completely rebranded um and i sent out information to my existing clients as well as people who i knew were interested or sitting on my wait list um, i sent out this information to them if they had already paid me and we were already doing business um, I grandfathered them in Okay. Um, and I made sure that they were being taken care of. Their needs were still being met because we've already developed this rapport. I don't want to chase them away. Right. Uh, so I grandfathered them in and then I let them know individually that after a certain amount of time. Um, that the new content that would we would be creating hmm. would require licensing. So the content that I had already created for them, it would not be fair to then go back and renege on that original agreement and require right. licensing. That's not fair to them. Sure. Um, and that's that's honestly my fault for not knowing the information. So that's not fair to them. So, but any new content that we would be creating, this is what it would be. And then anybody who I had with whom I had not exchanged money, I let them know this is what my new structure would be so I grandfathered in those old people okay. into my new system okay. um, and then again just making sure that I was extremely consistent a lot of these people especially in the cosmetics and skincare industry they all have interns and all those interns talk to each other and the interns are you're doing you're actually doing a lot of the work with the interns you're not necessarily talking mm. to the people at the top or the people okay. on the board You're doing a lot of work with the interns or like the people who work under people, the assistants and the assistant's assistants. Mm, And they all have lunch. They all have lunch and they all know each other. So just make sure that you're consistent and you have like a a very cohesive and comprehensive and obvious um, workflow. And that way when the information is traveling or people are getting ready to refer, they can refer you, uh, you know, with an excellent grade and you'll be confident that people, you know, only have good things to say about you. So it may be, you know, an extra fee and it may have taken the client by surprise. A lot of people aren't used to licensing. Um, but even still, even with the licensing that you've given this client and they're, they're now having to pay for in order to use your assets, you've still made it so simple and easy to understand that, mm. you know, you're still a pleasure to work with
0: yeah. and they're
1: perfectly happy to do it again with you.
0: That makes sense. So we're kind of back to that idea of proactively managing expectations, especially if we're transitioning from not, um, I guess, implementing a licensing practice in our business, going from that Mm -hmm. to beginning to implement that. We just need to proactively and and, and gently manage expectations as we go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just the idea is making it intuitive. Hmm just making that user interface and that client interface just as simple as possible. It should never be difficult to give you money. It should just, it just just shouldn't, they should always have access to that, that invoice. They should just be able to click a link and then put in their card or put in whatever Mm -hmm. and then pay you. It should be that simple. It should not be hard. Um, And then you should also follow up with them intermittently through the year. So I usually pop in Mm. around six months. I ask how they, how the, Uh, assets are performing okay. Um, and I just want to make sure that, Hey, you know, I did what I needed to do on my end to set you guys up for success. I pop in, um, you know, around six months and then around eight months or so just to see how those assets, because it takes time for an an asset to like really get a good comprehensive analytic behind it. Hmm. Um, So I just want to make sure that the assets are performing, they're continuing to perform and they can still leverage those assets for their business. And then um, around that eight month, Six to eight month pop in, I also let them know, hey, you're halfway through your license, or it, assuming the license is a year, okay. hey, you're halfway through your license, just so you know it's going to be such and such amount to relicense this imagery. I'm, and then I, I always caveat it with, hey, I'm so glad my images or my assets are continuing to perform for you. Sure. Right? Like, yeah. I want them to know, like, you should relicense because it's really good things <laughs> for you, right? Yeah, highlight like so that. So I always yeah. preface, right? I always preface it with, "Hey, you know, I, I've been noticing that you've been getting a lot of hits mm. on my short video. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. <laughs> um, just so you know, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? Just so you know, by the way, that you know this particular batch of assets that needs to be relicensed on such and such and such state for such and such mm. amount. Um, and then maybe a month before, I pop in again. Just letting you, because they can they can renew it at any time. Okay. You know, it doesn't have to be on the date. Okay. Um, but you know, I'm going to continue warning them up until a year, mm-hmm. um, that such and such assets are up for renewal, and that if on such day they haven't been renewed in full, um, then you know you're going to have to remove them by. The day after that day, right. it's pretty. It's pretty immediate. Yeah. Um, the day after that day, and if sure. not, these are these are next steps.
0: And are you yeah. using a CRM to help you keep up with those follow up commu- uh, conversations, or how do you how do you manage all of those? How, how do you keep track of them?
1: So. That's actually what I like about PhotoBiz. Actually, oh, okay. is it, it helps you keep. So PhotoQuote is how I get how much I'm going to be licensing the asset for. Okay. Um, and then PhotoBiz, which is its sister software, mm-hmm. that's all I use it for because I actually use another another company for like all of my my CRM stuff besides Okay. My my licensing. The only reason I specifically bought PhotoBiz and PhotoQuote were for the license attributes. Got it. Um, but that's me. That's how I structured it. Uh, So that's not gospel, but that's how I structured it. So photo biz is what I use and it keeps track of the license. It keeps track of how long each license is for. Perfect. And it sends me a little alarm when things are up for renewal. Um, And then I just have it written in my planner as well, because I like to write things down. Um, (laughs) I just have it written in my planner that I need to pop in with whomever Mm. and, um, you know, just give them a a quick blurb about, you know, whatever information they need.
0: That's great. You know, I mean, I, again, and I have to, I know you, I was giving you props up front, but even more so now as we're finishing up the conversation today, the way that you've explained all this is so simple and easy to follow. and oh, Yeah, especially for myself, just like, where do I even start? I have no idea. And um, you're very gracious to say that your suggestions aren't gospel. And I, I get the point. But at the same time, I think photographers sometimes just need a, somebody to come along and say, hey, do this, 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 and this. And it gives Mm -hmm. them at least a starting point. They can always make adjustments and and modifications down the road for their own business sake. But giving somebody a place to start, I think, is a really great thing. And um, Mm -hmm. this conversation, this advice has been so simple and so practical. Sue chimed in from YouTube. She said, I appreciate the realism regarding your specific market. I hear so many people urging high prices. Where I am now can support that. But if I were to move, I'm not so sure. And yeah, again, that that highlights the importance, Sue, and I'm glad you bring that up of, of Mm-hmm. developing that market awareness, one of the very important principles that that Taylor has shared today. Th- thank you so much for, for making time to do all of this, to share in such detail. Will you remind our listeners to where they can find and follow you online?
1: Sure. So the easiest way to get to any of my social media portals is through my Instagram at Taylor B. It's going to be spelled T-A-Y-L-O-R-R-B-E-E. And then you can find everything else I do from there.
0: And I've popped this up on screen for anybody who's live streaming. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But yeah, on Instagram, T-A-Y-L-O-R-R-B-E-E. And uh, make sure that you go and follow Taylor and then check out our work. I mean, truly again, Taylor, the, like as I'm scrolling through, the, the colors are just jumping off the screen. It's absolutely yeah. stunning work. So major props to you for that. And thanks once you again, just for sharing really practical, simple, actionable advice for our listeners today.
1: Thanks again for having me, Nathan. This was a joy.